Hey everyone, I'm James Marshall. Welcome to the Waterland Podcast, brought to you by Fortune Favors Beer. What a brew. Now today, I've got something a little bit different with it being the well-being round in Super Rugby Aotearoa. I have a guest who hasn't played professional rugby before, but in saying that, he has refereed about a thousand games. He's also a qualified helicopter pilot, and he's recently started up this awesome group called The Real Effect which I'm really looking forward to talking about in a little bit more depth in this podcast. So let's just welcome the guest. It is, of course, Mr. Michael Lash. Welcome, Lashy. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, mate. Pleasure to be here. How good. Um, let's just get straight into it. It's um, mental well-being round for Super Rugby. Mm-hmm. You've had a mental um, journey, yeah. let's just say, and you've set up the real effect, which is like an, an awesome thing. I'm... Can you explain to the listeners what, what that is? Mate, if, um, effectively, I suppose, well, reel, spelt with um, two E's, yeah. like the fishing reel, um, hence the sort of what we're going to go into. But the wordplay, the how word good. Play, yeah, so it's a, um, a programme designed to provide Kiwi men with a, um, a, a platform and environment to step away from the stresses and pressures in life yeah. and have that opportunity to have the yarns, have a chat that's probably needed yeah a bit tough to have um you know in the change of shed or at home and stuff yeah. like that but also just that opportunity to disconnect from the world and, and and spend some time outdoors um and be able to reconnect with themselves um and we just use fly fishing as a bit of a vehicle for that so how do you go about that do you just can anyone go or like how does that work how do yeah. you how do you get invited to one of those oh pretty much mate so we i run um run well, between eight and ten um, throughout the sort of the fishing season, which is October through till um, April and um, the top of the south. Yeah. So um, we've got a Facebook page, Instagram, and a website and all that sort of stuff. So you can jump on on there and, and yeah. flick an email, a bit of inquiry, and if you need time to get away and chill out, then you know we just make it make it work and make it happen. So um, for those that really really need it, we, we're also working on getting the like the proper professional stuff involved. So it's yeah. not um, not a lot of pressure put on put on us, but we've, we've had quite a few. Missions where guys have just been flat out at work, or yeah. you know, just need a, just need time away, yeah, and and go away for a couple of nights, go out camping, all the gear's provided. You basically just rock up with um with your clothes. Oh, true. Um, so yeah, we've got all the camp gear and the fishing gear and stuff like that, and just foods all sorted. So sweet. So there must be a bit of a cost involved for that. Yeah, mate. Yeah, there was. So um, uh, couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but yeah. um, it, yeah, took out a wee loan to get it get it up and running. It's something I'm pretty passionate about, and something I couldn't sort of sit around and and wait to um, to get started. So I was pretty fortunate that the local hunting fishing guys helped helped me out with um, with the price of a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, and then I've just had a lot of support from other guys who've come on. A few local businesses have, have flicked some money um, just to help cover those costs. Yeah, it's not obviously it's not cheap for no. the gear and, and so what about people who who come do they is it free for them or do they, they no, must so, have to so there, is, there is a cost involved yeah um, and essentially that obviously goes into covering the costs of um food yeah. travel and, and gear maintenance and stuff like that um so we're just trying to kind of finalize all that sort of stuff at the mm. moment but also trying to to set up um trying to set it up as a as a proper charitable organization yeah that way you know businesses and people can um, donate yeah. to the good cause. Um, they can obviously get the perks that are involved with, with that on the tax side of things, um, but just make it a bit more obviously open and transparent, yeah. and, and, and allow them to get some something out of it. And 
we'll either set it up, we'll have to set it up as the options so they can just donate or they can, you know, 20 bucks will go towards feeding one of the one of the uh, Red Effect brothers on, yeah. on, the, on the mission or it'll go towards providing um, different different aspects of it so they can actually see that, you know, their money is going to, to something, something yeah. as part of it. So, um, yeah, and I've just uh, been pretty fortunate throughout the rugby career to, to link up with a fair few good buggers and especially a few um, in the super teams at the moment. Yeah. So I've managed to wrangle um, five signed jerseys for Super Rugby Aotearoa yeah. um, for 2020, which is pretty cool. So that is cool. Um, the plan will be to auction them off and all that will go towards just getting some of the brothers on, on the missions. Nice. Because obviously, you know, there's probably the current environment with COVID and whatnot, you know, there's a lot of financial strain on, on a lot of families yeah, and yeah. a lot of men around the place. Yeah. Um, so if we can provide some sort of um, ease in that regard so they can still get on yeah, um, get on the missions and get their chance to get away and recharge. Then you know, that's all. That's all we're all for. So very cool. So what? Let's take us back. What sort of inspired you to set this up? Um, oh mate, it's been something that's been on my mind. So I finished up refereeing, um, might have seen um, Heartland and all that sort of stuff uh, into twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um, so it's been on my mind for quite a while. I, I myself struggled with, uh, with depression. So yeah. Correct that. I battle with it. Yeah. Um, and. For, for a few years and for me my way of um disconnecting was was on the river yeah with, with the rod in hand um and i, I mean yeah i can't, i need to take you out to show you to be fair mate like i could tell you a whole lot of um artistic poetry that <laughs> wording and stuff that that makes it feel real good but once you're out there um you just you're in the moment connected it's to nature totally man you connect to nature connect to yourself um it's just a real powerful Mindfulness, yeah. Moment. Um, do you, you need do fishing experience or no? Nah, nah, nah. You can go with no, totally yeah. Totally. It's it, like I said, the, vi- the fishing's a vehicle, yeah. So you could be an experienced fly fisher, yeah, come out with a group who aren't, and yeah. that's awesome because it's another chance for you to connect with others, yeah, yeah. Who, who still have a similar reason to be out there, but also, too, most of the guys I've taken on the mish have been haven't had any fly fishing experience, and, yeah. and it's pretty straightforward. Um, and it's quite cool when they start to pick that up because yeah. you're so. You just get caught in the moment. You get caught in what you're doing, and hours go by. Yeah. And then they sit back and they go, "Holy shit! I haven't thought about. I haven't even thought about checking my phone, or yeah, I haven't yeah. even thought about work and yeah. and whatnot." And it's quite cool every now and then. Just ask them, "Well, what are you thinking about?" And they'll go, "Nothing." Yeah. And we're just hugely powerful because at the moment, you know, with the world and everything that's going on, as I said before, and just with the pressure with cell phones, technology mm. and all that stuff, we don't realise how So hard to switch off. Totally, man. Sometimes we just need to turn the Wi-Fi off. Mm. And that's essentially what we're trying to achieve, is yeah. just provide that platform. Because, you know, I mean, a, a good men, um, and us Kiwi blokes, we heap a lot of pressure on ourselves, but yeah. we also um, are a bit hesitant to kind of show emotion or yeah. we've got the old she'll be right attitude but we often keep that inside and under and yeah. under wraps um and that's where trying to you know get this is actually break down that barrier there's a there's a hell of a lot of work around you know um mental health in, in new zealand and there's a lot of the am- without being rude there's a lot of ambulance at the bottom of the cliff stuff but there's nothing at the top of the cliff saying no no come on mate let's come this way yeah and that's what i'm trying to do is, is a bit more of a prevention slash early intervention yeah place where the guys go yeah, I need to chill out I need to get away and before it gets too much yeah yeah and so 
you know, ideally that's what the goal was for it. Um, have the odd time where at the moment we do like a weekend away. Yeah. So three days, four days, depending on, I suppose, people's workloads. Yeah. Um, but the ideal goal, the vision for it, is to be able to set it up where we have that as an offer, but we also have an offer for, for our men where they can have three or four days in the bush. Um, you know, off off track, we'll get all the professionals and they'll actually spend some time really working on themselves. Yeah. And from there, it'll be six or eight weeks of a program where they'll get, you know, counselling support. They'll get uh, physical and nutritional support and and everything else that to try and build them on that journey. And then at the end of that six or eight weeks, we'll come back outside. Yeah. We'll get back bush. We'll get back fishing, and that gives them a chance to, you know, reconnect again and, and share stories, build a camaraderie, build a brotherhood, and then hopefully awesome, we can, eh? we'll push them on to be better men. So love it. Yeah. So take us back to, you know, how you mentioned the refereeing, finishing refereeing in 2018. Mm -hmm. What was that decision and was that part of your mental, um, what do you call it? Um, journey? Journey. Um, <laughs> sort of, but not really. I have always been a team man yeah, and I've always put the team ahead of myself. Mm. Um, and I always said that at the end of every year when we went into our end of year reviews that I don't, I don't want to be there to make up numbers. Yeah. I, I, I want to be there because, you know, one, I deserve to be there, but two, you know, I'm, I'm wanted there. Yeah. And I had a few challenging um, reviews because um, just to give you a bit of context, we've got, we've got five professional referees in New Zealand. Yeah. And below that, there's about, well, there's, I don't know how many there is now, but there's about mm, probably 20 um, men and women in the sort of the national setup, yeah. so they're not professional, but they get you know, match fees. They're they're selected at the end of each year for the year ahead. So they either AR Super Rugby, yeah. um, or and, and ref might attend and Harlan and Fata Palmer and um, and Jock Holes. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's always a one year gig, which is obviously quite challenging when you're trying to balance that with life. Yeah. Um, and so at the end of 2018. I was keen to come back and do another year. I'd finished on 43 first-class games, so raising the bat for a half-time would have been nice. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, I never thought I'd get one first-class game. Yeah. So 43 is pretty good. Yeah, good better than most. Better than, <laughs> it's better than 42, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I actually I didn't get reselected into the squad um, initially. They gave me the opportunity to um, referee a few games early in 2019 to kind of get, because there was always a opening for those in 2019 who perform well to yeah. come back in. Yeah. So I additionally, uh, um, originally didn't get reselected, but had the opportunity to get reselected on, yeah. on some, some performance-based games. But I was pretty confident when they said that, that I was like, yeah, no, cool. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm at peace with that. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much straight there, which makes me think that I was actually probably at peace for that a long time earlier, mm. which... In saying that I, I was because I wrote an email to our team. Um, I actually probably started writing it back in June and I got the end of year review was November. Oh, yeah. So I did it before my 10 cup. Yeah, yeah. And I was kind of like, yeah. And there was a few games throughout that tournament, riffing both my 10 and Heartland, that kind of reiterated that to me as well. I was pretty honoured, mate. If you ever get the chance to go to Rotoria mm -hmm. and watch East Coast play Poppy Bay, yeah. holy. Honestly, mate, it is 
it's if I look back at the 43 games I've done on the middle, plus the handful I've done on the sideline and yeah. rugby and that, and being a part of test matches and line series, yeah, it's one of the best games I've ever been involved. Was it? Yeah. Just the whole atmosphere from start to finish, it was just incredible. Yeah, and I remember just at the end coming off, going, you know, I could. They told me, right, mate, that's your last game. See you later. I'd be like, cool. Damn, happy. Yeah, pretty happy. So I had that in my last year, which was a pretty cool, cool milestone. And we got our appointments at the start of the season. Yeah. So I knew I had it. And, oh, yeah. and Did you know about the game? Or like that being oh, yeah, such yeah, a cool... Yeah, yeah. so growing up, on, growing up on the West Coast, um, we used to listen to the... Um, back in when it was uh, NPC, so yeah. the coast from the third division. Yeah. And um, we used to listen to them on the radio. And there was all, all legends from back in the day, you know, um, Manu Fluti... Um, moved to another team. Like, I could go on, man. Yeah. Just, you know, we, used to, used to, we used to go and watch them in Greymouth at Rugby Park. Yeah. So, knowing the history of that game was just was pretty bloody nervous leading up to it. But oh, yeah. the hucker, the the white afterwards, the the um, hungy, all of it was just like, man, this is pretty, cool. Yeah. pretty cool. So, um, so yeah, going, I mean, going back to your original question, no, I was yeah didn't get reselected, but I was pretty confident that I was like, yeah, no, that's cool. I'm happy with that. Yeah. So, um, so going back to the start of your refereeing journey, how did you get into it, and why did you get into it? Because on, honestly, for me, watching refereeing looks like the worst job in the world. It's something that I just think, fuck, why? Why would you want to be a ref? Like, you can never. No one's ever happy with your performance, really. Yeah. Like mm. from from the teams, anyway. But. Oh, especially at especially at the level you know that you play at. Yeah. You know, and the pressures that are on those guys. But uh, mate. Um, refereeing started for me in 2003 mm. when we were still at college. Yeah. Um, and there was a um, a course through PE which gave us 10 credits. Griggy. Into Griggy. Yeah. Yeah. Brother, the boy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, ironically, Griggy of all people said to me, Oh, Alas, you should do this course. Yeah. You'd be good at it. I've always had a great knowledge of the game in terms of the laws and understanding. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, did the course. I think it means so 10 credits. Um, <laughs> Because that was all you're after the day, you know, you're chasing, chasing girls with 10 credits. Um, not in that order, probably in that order. Um, yeah, and then so we went off and refed a couple of tournaments and the local um, referee education officer said, oh, look, you know, you've done pretty well there. Do you want to do some games in the morning? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and I just took it as an extra way of getting some fitness. So refed in the morning, played in the afternoon. Yeah. Had a couple of seasons for the second 15. So back then they were playing at 2 o'clock, which was mint, because you ref at broads at 10, and then you yeah. go back for a shower and come back down at 1 and play and bugger off. And then, yeah, so I was still playing. A few injuries, a few yeah. knee, a couple of knee surgeries, um, good couple of head knocks. Were they from rugby? Yeah, yeah, they were all from rugby. Um, yeah, a couple of head knocks, which were from rugby. Um, I'm a bit injury prone to be fair, oh, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember playing league with you down there. Yeah, so that, <laughs> down yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was just from that was more injured from the fact that the big fellows that we were playing against, mate. Like, they were massive. We sent down a pretty average team oh, to like one yeah. of the best tournaments yeah. of league yeah. in New Zealand and got absolutely puffed <laughs> every week. We did. Uh, that was so much fun. Not every week, every game. Every it was game. like a yeah. week tournament, wasn't it? Was, it? it was cricket scores the first couple of games, <laughs> and then we played that invitational team. Oh, that's and right. Was, we won that one, and I think we were pretty chuffed after that. I think we're that we're that happy that. I think we pissed off old Lord, are we, on the bus on the way home? Yeah, so yeah, so no, yeah, I was like I say, I was pretty injury injury prone, which didn't really help in terms of consistency of playing any footy. Mm. Um, love kicking a ball, love you know kicking goals. Yeah, um, so that sucked not being able to have a crack at that. Um, and then yeah, left school, went home to the coast. To, well, I was kind of like up in arms. The doctors had all said, mm, "Mate, you know, 
if you keep going the way you're going, one, you're either going to be, you know, have too many head knocks. Yeah. Um, and two, your knees, you're probably going to have an arthritis fairly early oh, in your life. So I was like, well, okay. And then at the same time, the coach were battling for referees. And I was like, well, I'd, I'd done um, a couple of Div 2 games in Nelson and the local comp. Yeah. And rugby down the coast is probably fairly similar to Div 2 years. So I was like, oh, okay, that wouldn't be too hard. Yeah. Baptism by fire, pretty much, mate. When you get in the coast and you're 18, yeah. um, and you're reffing some of these teams, and they, you know, they'll tell you after the game, yeah. through your face, in front of the world, in front of your parents, yeah. how you, <laughs> and and it's very colourful, you know. Um, they've certainly changed the tune since then, obviously, but um, yeah. So I just carried on with that, and then got a couple opportunities to go to. Um, I got actually got selected, and they had a junior junior. Um, Referee Academy, New Zealand Referee Academy. And I got picked in that. To be fair, to this day, I don't even know why, or how, being that I was down in the middle of nowhere. And I'll never forget it, mate. The first trip we went to, we had a camp in Wellington. Yeah. And we had quite a few big times. So Mike Fraser was in the squad. Oh, Mick Bryant, former former professional ref. Um, yeah. James McPhail, who yeah. was a, one of the world's best sevens refs for quite a while. Um, there was quite a few lads in there that uh, you know gone on to higher honours. Yeah. Least, yeah. He's this fella from the coast who <laughs> I'd never been to Wellington in my life. Um, didn't and I was studying, was training to be a helicopter pilot, yeah. but I had no sense of direction because he had all these big skyscrapers. And everyone's yeah. like, "Well, how do you, you know, you're supposed to be flying a pilot, helicopter? How do you know you were?" And I was like, "This is too much." And yeah, so it was that was that was a bit of an eye opener. I think um, actually another one who was in there, Richard Kelly, who is oh, currently yeah. one of, one of the world's best seven He was in the squad too, which was quite cool. To you know, just kind of reconnect there after a while as well. Yeah. But yeah, even the old slot machines to get the now they've got you know the the old card that goes into the door to open. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't yeah. know. Didn't know how to <laughs> old mates get where's the key? Like, and, and the guys are just thought this is hilarious. They thought I'd been selected in there just to keep you know a bit of banter around the place. But I had no idea. I mean, you grew up on the coast. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> no card keys yeah. down there. If you locked yourself out of the house. You just went to the neighbours until someone else got home. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then, yeah, we from the coast for a couple of years and then um, completed my chopper licence, which took me up here for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then took me down to Southland. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll kick in the reefing down there. And I was just kind of enjoying it, really. Mm. Um, and then got down to Southland and, um, yeah, it kind of went from there that they picked me into the um, into the South Island zone squad. So we had a South Island, a Northern and a Central Zone referee squad. So we did all the um, Colts and under-18s and yeah. B, yeah. B grades. So you got picked into that. So I was in there for three years with um, a couple other you know, guys who have gone on to do first-class rugby as well. Liam Scanlon, yeah. another Nelson College boy. Yeah. Um, Adam Morrison, another Nelson oh, College boy. Uh, ben O'Keefe, who's a Marlborough College boy, <laughs> but we won't, we won't have him on that one. Um, yeah, so for a couple of years in there, and then from there progressed into the national squad. Actually, funny story, because I went to Canada on a referee exchange, oh, which right. was pretty much, mate, got to go over there for... What for age was this? Oh, 21, 22. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 22. Went down to, I t- moved down to Southland the weekend that the Stags won the Shield. Oh, wow. Which was 09. Timing. Yeah, oh, perfect timing. <laughs> um, yeah, big, yeah, it was a good introduction. Um yeah, so I went down, went over to to Canada on an exchange, which was pretty cool, and refed Prem Rugby over there. She was really wicked because most of the Canadian men's team played Premier Rugby. Didn't yeah. They didn't you know, have the provincial teams or the Super Rugby teams sort of stuff, so you're yeah. actually butting heads with some 
you know, world-class footy players. Yeah. And I kind of fell in love with the place, and I was like, man, this place is wicked. Yeah. Being a young fellow, I was like, yeah, cool. Be able to convert my helicopter licence, you know, yeah. find a nice Canadian bird, and, <laughs> and life would be good. And so I'd, I'd also set up a um, – pretty much set myself up with a job, um, working as a living tutor at a college and reffing and like a you – know, four beers at a pub and until I got myself set up with the licence and stuff. Yeah. Got home, I was like, right, I started working on the visa, pretty much did that immediately. Mm. And two days after I got home, I got a phone call um, from Colin Hawke, who was at the time a um, New Zealand referee manager. Yeah. And just said, oh, look, mate, I um, want to congratulate you and slick you into the squad. Oh, so I was like, true. damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I couldn't really say no to that. Yeah. It was yeah. like, shit, that's pretty cool. Jeez. And then... Um, yeah, kind of went from there. How different your life could have been or would mm. have been. Mm. Crazy, Yeah, eh? I'd probably have some sort of <laughs> out in a boot twang to myself when I was talking in. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, refereeing, like, going into a game, what's the preparation? Are you really nervous before the game or during the game? Or Talk um, me through that. Yeah, it's it's your your prep starts from when you get the appointment. Yeah, which is usually on a Sunday. Um, when you enter the Mitre Ten Cup and stuff like that, they'll they'll appoint it because you're working with sort of semi-professional referees. They've also got their day jobs, so they were always quite good that they would actually give you the plan. Yeah, for the season, so you knew and you could coordinate work and etc. And the only time if it changed was if there was, you know, a certain game that may have needed referee was performing poorly and got shifted off or um, it was a Ranfurly Shield game which was always done by the pros um, or just there was a top of table clash it wasn't an ideal game to give a debutant. Yeah. so usually yeah, it would start depending but usually from the Sunday if you went say Saturday Saturday prep would start Sunday once you got the appointment um, and for me it was a lot about uh, early on you'd always look at the team and then teams that were playing and then look at the key players yeah. and how you would Communicate and interact with them because yeah. they're they're important people to um, to interact with. You'd always talk about the captain, yeah, you know, and how okay, how am I going to approach this guy? He's intense, he's well, whatever, or he's a dead fish. Yeah, yeah, am I going to yeah. get messages across? But it shifted after a while to actually just focusing on what strengths the teams did. For me, anyway, I mean, a lot of the guys have different processes and yeah, setups yeah, yeah. and how they do it. But I studied the teams more on what they did at certain. Areas of the game, yeah. certain phases. Yeah. So, for for example, attacking line out on you know on the twenty two. Yeah. Um, watching what you would do. Oh, yeah. Nine times out of ten, teams would throw to the back and then set it wide, maybe crash midfield or push it all the way to the edge. Um, so, why do you need to know that? Just so I know where I'm going to be. Oh, true. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, your positioning. Yeah. So, oh, really? if, if, oh, if the guys if they're thrown to the back, there's no real point in me standing at the front. Yeah. Because it's further distance for me to go. And yeah. if they're going to crash in the middle, then there's obviously opportunity for the defence to attack that ball. If I'm still working my way through the traffic, yeah. I'm probably doing a disservice to the guy, the ball carrier yeah. who may want the tackler out of the way or to the non to the defending team who have a yeah. clean shot at the ball. Never so, thought about that. So by getting myself in the right position allowed me to see the right things and kind of, for want of a better phrase, support what was going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, vice, yeah, basically for that. So that way, if I was at the back, it's an easy transition. I'm there. Yeah. I'm there at the tackle. I'm there at the ruck, and I'm there, you know, mm. the delivery as it leaves versus being at the front, it going all the way to the edge, and the ruck already occurring as you're kind of 
yeah. coming in because it's always a contest and you've got to referee the contest. Yeah. And if you're not there to referee the contest, waste the time. Waste of time. But also, too, what people don't quite realise from a refereeing perspective is it actually decreases your credibility. Yeah. Because if you're 15 metres away and you blow a penalty, you're looking at me going, how'd you see that from over there? <laughs> so it's about making it easier for me, not from a um, not from a lazy perspective, but easier for me so I could better yeah, yeah, yeah. contribute to the game. So I did a lot of work on that in terms of that, what teams did five metres out, what they did on, on sort of... On attack defence, I called it. They're going to attack on the end because New Zealand teams always attack yeah. from their own goal line. Yeah. So what they were doing in their own half, um, and then focused my game on right. Okay, I need to be real aware about my presence at ruck time. Got guys attack, they have a crack, whatever. So I, I shifted away from going right. I've got, I've got Jimmy Marr as a captain this weekend. He's loud. Okay, I'm just going to tell him to shut up at the start and hopefully we're all good. I remember that. Okay. <laughs> up in Hawke's Bay. Yeah. Worked Darren in Aki, yeah. you got me. Yeah. I didn't even say anything. You told me to shut up. And I was like, oh, jeez. Pre-planned, mate. Pre-planned. So you had done it? your research, yeah. yeah well, I, I knew you. But um, but also in similar similar aspects, you do look at the players yeah. and, and look at kind of, yeah, you know some guys are going to test, test you, yeah. but it's also about how you can... I believe personally that refereeing is a lot about it's sort of the power of persuasion but also the art of influence Yeah. because you've got to persuade the players to understand where you're coming from but also influence them to get what you want Yeah. which should be what the game needs Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's by sailing them rather than me saying to you you know say there's a couple of penalties at the, um, in, a, in a row yeah. going to you too many penalties next one you know guys aren't, guys aren't rolling clear next yeah. one goes yeah well, you get an idea that, right, we're going to roll clear. Yeah. But if I can give you something with that, like we need to go east to west, I need to see this, or we yeah. need to work on this, then it allows you something to obviously go back with and you keep you start getting that picture. And, it's, mm. and then even going even further into it for a flanker or, you know, a, a jackler, yeah. you know, quite often those guys will do everything right bar maybe one or two. Yeah. And they'll often stand up and be frustrated. And referees don't often say to them, you did everything right but you need to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's about picking those moments to say to them, look, mate, I, I want to reward you, but I need to see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And referees just don't. They shut off and go, no, because years ago, someone said it was a privilege to talk to the referee, which it is, Yeah. but it's also important for the referee to be able to be open yeah. to conversations like that, keeping the balance. Yeah, it's cool. Eh? And so what about who's the hardest player you've had <laughs> to referee or who's someone you hate refereeing who's just like niggly um i don't hate i've never had someone that i hate refereeing yeah, well, um, well, more like who's the hardest i guess um i would probably reword that mate who's been the biggest challenge biggest yeah, there we go. every referee every pl like different player challenges you in different ways which i feel as a referee is really good because it actually keeps that honesty yeah um and i've had a fair few through the years mm -hmm. who have challenged me um which as a referee, you need to take away that emotion and look at it and be like, right, they're actually, you know, keeping me accountable. Yeah. Because sometimes on the field, no one else will. Um, I've had some challenging environments um, locally. Drop some names. Uh, drop some names. <laughs> give, us, give us your um, worst. Not your worst, yeah, um, most challenging. Mike Coman's brother. <laughs> ben Coman. <laughs> Big Donk. Oh, yeah. Big Donk. Big Donk was, he's, he, <laughs> local, mate, he's a good bugger. I've got a lot of time for Donk. But he was, um, 
he's also very, always very emotional with what he said. And quite often I'd just be like, Ben, we'll pack the scrum and then we'll sort it out. Like, you know, calm down. Um, but yeah, he was cooking. Just so aggressive, was he? Towards oh, yeah, big donk, yeah. <laughs> chasing, chasing Timmy, isn't Timmy Shadow? I think. Um, um, who else? Oh. What about your brother? Your brother's uh, obviously. Uh, yeah, you would have reffed him a few times. Yeah, I have actually. Um, oh yeah, no, I've, I've got a, I've got a pretty good relationship with James. Um, I, I would have loved to reffed him in a first class game. Yeah, I reckon yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I've we, we've got this good synergy that whenever I'm refereeing him, he knows I'm not going to be hard on him because he's my brother. Yeah. He's easier on him because he's my brother. Yeah. And 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 I know that he's not going to try and push the envelope either way or yeah, try yeah, and milk yeah. stuff. Yeah. He has tried. Um, and it's probably funny because we've, <laughs> we've both learnt off each other so much. Yeah. Um, he's got a wicked mind for the game. Mm. Just to listen to him at times when teams are under the pump and he comes in so calm and just says, no, nah, guys, chill out. We're going to do this, this and this. And yeah. watch it come to life. It's like, far out. Yeah. Um, I've pu- wanted to punch him a couple of times. <laughs> um, I've been to him once. Um, <laughs> what was that for? Uh, oh, yeah, he's <laughs> Um, he's got, like I say, I've always taught him a few things to do to kind of get a bit of influence. Like I said about that influence side of things, his players can do it quite well to influence the referee to get into their pocket and, yeah, and yeah. Get, get the outcomes that they want. And he tried it a couple of times on me, and I was like, nah, I know what you're doing, don't you start. <laughs> but I binned him for, um, he was back chatting and whatnot, and I told the captain, who wasn't being coming at the time, I don't think, told him, I was like, yeah, I'm sick of him. If he says something wrong again, he's gone. And then he, Pulled some guy into the ruck and tried to milk a penalty, and then I pulled, him, I penalised him for holding on, and yeah, had a crack. And he told gone. me, he told me what he thought, <laughs> and, but it was quite funny because I think all right, see you later, and um, he was off, and I think everybody was like, "Where's where's Lashley going? Is has he been yellow card?" Like, it, it was no one got it on film, or no one got it on photo, which was probably a good thing because it would have been in the front page, I'd say. Um, but yeah, he's he's always been good. It's been quite cool having that same journey with him, mm. both from different you know different sides yeah. with him with him as playing for Buller and Mid Canterbury and for the Mako and and me being able to do that. It's quite probably one of the things I miss about refereeing is actually texting him every day on a Saturday, going saying good luck, mate, and he'd say the same thing back. Or if I was refereeing, he'd say it to me, which is yeah. always quite a cool wee wee thing. Um, a few other guys that have always been challenging. Um, I had an incident a couple of years back. Um, with the county's Manukau halfback, pulled the pad off the post. Augustine Pullers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Were you riffing that game yeah, when he did that? Yeah, oh, I was sure. riff, yeah. <laughs> and he'd been trying to milk penalties um, throughout the game. Did you bit him for pulling that pad off? Nah. No, I did never, ha- never happened before in a game of footy before. <laughs> Something you don't plan for? No, exactly. And that's, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing, is planning for the what-ifs. But um, all I heard was... I heard the Velcro rip, and then I looked, and he was throwing the pad away. So I never actually saw him physically take it off. And I was like, what, what's he doing? He can't do that. And I blew time off. I was like, oh, no, no, no we need that. Yeah. Put it back on. I told him to put it back on. And at the same time, um, Glenn Jackson was my was my assistant referee, and he's like, Lashie, I think you need to have a chat to him. Yeah. Unbeknownst to me till after the game, that was um, Jacko's chat for – that was pretty serious, mate. You may need to put him in the bin. Yeah. And – so I pulled him aside, and he'd been chappy, and he tried to milk a few penalties for throwing the ball into the ground to mm. players and stuff. And I just said to him, I said, mate, you know, you need to, you need to pull your head in. Um, and, you know, guys need to chill out because if something happens, um, someone will go off. Yeah. Don't, don't be surprised if it's you. And then we carried on playing. And I was a little bit – I was probably feeling nervous at that time too because um, 
Bad Plenty were hard on attack, and the county's Manukau scrum was pumping Bad Plenty's, and I was like, oh, don't like because they were probably going to score a try. Yeah, and I was like, no, shit. Hopefully the scrum goes well. Last thing I want to do was bang penalise Bad Plenty, and then all of a sudden they're out yeah, from, yeah, from that. That goes yeah, back yeah. to the high impact moment, you know, yeah, where yeah, yeah. all of a sudden that's actually robbed them of yeah. potential seven points. Well, because you stopped the clock because yeah, 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 yeah stopped yeah, the momentum. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was clearly a tactic yeah. by him, which we found out later on. Um, but luckily enough, yeah, Bad Penny held held their own <laughs> in the scrum, they took a phase and then scored. So yeah. managed to kind of get out of that one. But, um, so I, is there moments in games where you are sort of wanting a team to sort of, you know, so you, you sort of said there, like wanting them to get out of that because you felt like you put them in the wrong situation? Is that... Is that a fair assessment? Or? Oh, I don't know. I think in that in that moment, yeah. I was kind of like, "Well, this would be, this would be shit." Yeah, yeah. If yeah. they got because of the way the yeah. scrums were going. Yeah. Um, but you know, like if you give like a penalty that you thought, "Oh, actually, that was kind of harsh," or even like a yellow card, you're like, "It was a fifty-fifty yellow card." Now I sort of feel like if then there's another sort of moment like that, I'm definitely gonna send them or like. Um. Yeah. You get times in the game where you'll. You know, you might say to the captain, right, oh, that's too many. Yeah. Um, the next one will have to go. Yeah. And an infringement occurs, but you don't have, so you don't have the number. Yeah. Um, and so you've kind of got to say, look, that's your get-out-of-jail-free card. But yeah. It won't happen the next time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there are times, I mean, the game is so, the laws are so challenging. That yeah. There's <laughs> often times there where, as a referee, you can't do anything else yeah. but follow through with, the process that's aligned with the law and say, oh, sorry, mate, it's yeah. a third time yellow card. Yeah. And I've had situations like that where it's just like, you know, sorry, mate, yeah. you got to go. Yeah. Um, I've had times where players, like I've given a team warning and a player's come on, first thing he's done, yeah, dives on the street, gone. And he's like, <laughs> you know, parents have come to watch, bloody new girlfriend's in the stand and it's just like, sorry, mate, you know, it's 30 seconds. So, yeah. Um, what, yeah. A, what about when um, a team's got a massive penalty count? Like, Ten penalties to none. Do you feel then it's time to start penalising that team, or nah. would you never think about no, that? No, that's just that's it's no. Nah. It's the the when you're getting them to the Mighty Cup and, and and above. Yeah, you know, there's that many TV cameras there. Yeah, that yeah. You can't just go. Right, I've got to even the yeah, yeah, even yeah. the um, game. That usually happens in in kids rugby when yeah. dad, dad one runs refs or coach um, refs the first half and the other coach refs the second you know it's been 50 nil at half time and it's 50 all and you think oh right but no it's very hard I mean yeah. we're trained to and we, and we work hard on being aware of that so being able to get into the game and, and getting having knowing the penalty count and what it's for so knowing that right over we're 10 minutes in 3-2 penalty count yeah. um, one at the scrum two offsides and two of the breakdown, and identifying them as trends, and going, do I need to have a chat? And that's where it comes down, like I said, to that persuasion and influence is actually preventing stuff happening and saying to the captain on the downtime and the down low, saying, hey, look, mate, a couple of penalties that break down, yeah. um, I need the guys to stay on their feet, or I need them to Yeah, 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 getting on to it early. Getting on to it early because... Like the real effect. 100%. Getting on to it before it's yeah, too, too much. Yeah. yeah, and then you have to... Yeah, you have to really start working, and, and if it is, you, it's all about doing that work early on as a referee, mm-hmm. and even in any in any officiating role, doing that so you can set the game up. That way, if it comes close again, you can just bring it back in and sort it out. Because yeah. usually, it's really important as a rugby referee in the first ten minutes of each half to really set your standards and reimplement your standards. Yeah, and in different areas. 
Yeah. And it's relating to key people in different areas. So doing all that work behind the scenes, yeah. and it goes back to what I said before about the key players, mm. it's never one person. To be fair, it could be all 15. Yeah. Because different players are going to react to different emotions. Three key players would be the front rowers. Yeah. Um, ironically, those are usually the guys at the front of the line now. So those are key guys to you know look after and work with mm. in both those phases. Then you've got nine and ten. Usually the flankers are good pilferers. Yeah. Or captain wherever he is. Or chappy second five. Yeah. Um, something like that. Yeah. And, and just relating to them and connecting with them to be able to get that influence and that change of behaviour that you need without having to be all official yeah, and yeah. time off and make it all about you. Yeah. Which, at a point, has, has to happen because, you know, and that's, we're probably lucky when you're watching on TV because commentators go, well, it's only about a matter of time. And yeah, so everyone's yeah. like, oh, yeah, well, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. if it sort of, referee blows time off and starts being all theatrical about it and yeah. me, 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 then it, you know, yeah. doesn't sort of shed a good light on how the game could carry on. Interesting insight. So, what about the f- feedback? Not so much feedback. You could probably call it abuse that you get as a referee. How did that affect you? Did you ever take notice of it, or how did you handle that? Um, it's funny you say that, mate, because it's brutal, isn't it? Uh, it is. Yeah, yeah, really brutal. And it, I don't give a shit what people say about me after a game. Yeah. Referee was a dick. He's you know muppet, whatever. Do you but genuinely feel like that didn't have an effect on you when people said that? No, nah, because, nah. y- you know, y- y- you just, it's all, it's just someone, it's a couch, yeah, yeah. couch ref, and yeah. we're, we're a team of five, five million at the moment, and we've probably got a fair few couch referees, yeah. not only watching rugby, but watching everything else at the moment too, yeah. so, um, no, nah, we used to get, yeah, fairly decent amount of abuse just from social media, yeah. you'd watch the highlights, and someone would jump on there and say something, yeah. some people would be able to find you. Personal stuff and yeah. senior personal stuff. Do you get quite a few messages? Like few of them, yeah. Oh, true. yeah. Never refereed in, in Taranaki, yeah. Um, but yeah, not allowed there apparently. Oh really? Yeah. So it's stuff like that, you know. And it was really annoying because, um, you know, you, you went out there and you did the best you could. Yeah. And you relied on all the knowledge that you have built up over the years to deliver. And sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah. And referees, like, we rip our game apart, something wicked. Yeah. You'll look at every ruck, every maul, every line-out, every scrum, every decision you made, every decision you didn't make. Yeah. And all the interactions that you've had with players, how did that come across? Did you get the message across? Did they take it? Did you get the change of behaviour? You'll pull it all apart in the space of 48 hours, 72 hours after your game. Would you go through a game and say... Well, that was a bad call. That was a bad call. Like I've had a real bad game this this week. Oh yeah, week. yeah. We we're pretty you pretty brutal. Yeah, shit, you man. Oh, the true. referees were were pretty honest. Like I mean, yeah. It, it's it's a, it taught me a lot. Yeah. About fortitude, resilience. Um, you know, performing under pressure because mm. that's it. And like I say, the referees will pull the game apart, look at it meticulously to detail. Yeah. And go back to can even go right. Oh, that went wrong because of this and it's you know a high impact moment that yeah. we've missed or preparation has been right throughout the week yeah um and yeah all scrums like they'll pull the whole thing apart I, yeah and it's almost not getting into the stats but just actually how yeah it all went and yeah so they put a lot of pressure on themselves and yeah. when you add the external pressure the the, the stuff that you can't control yeah um 
that makes it even more challenging. Yeah. Who's the person that you're trying to impress as a ref the most? Is it your referee boss? You know, like as a player, if you and your coach are happy with how you went, you're generally pretty happy with how you played. Yeah. So you'd you'd what would happen is you'd you know ref the game, you'd come off. You know, usually as you know, when you come off a off of an intense game of footy. Yeah. You kind of you can't really sum it up then and there how yeah. you felt. You yeah. you've got to have time to reflect and watch the footage and, and break it all down. So you'd do that. You'd always have some. Um, key focuses of the game and what you kind of not so much goals, well, probably goals, but focus areas that you wanted to where you work on yeah. for the game. Um, and so your review when you went through it would always relate back to those, yeah, in different aspects. So, in the technical aspect, the tactical, um, management, your mental aspect, and how you did all that, yeah, and then you would flick that off to the coach and they'd watch the game as well, taking notes. You'd also put in there a bit of a playlist. Um, of stuff that worked out really well mm. and then stuff that missed knock on yeah. um, penalty incorrect tight head um, you know tight head board in loose head you know didn't you know yeah. chicken leg stuff yeah. and then yeah the coach would usually come back and say yep I agree with you sentiments um, this this is probably some stuff we need to work on um, and, or even dive a bit further yeah. and I was pretty lucky in the last few years of my career to have a pretty pretty awesome coach who who just asked those questions yeah. and got you thinking, got you to the answer rather than telling you what you needed to do. Yeah. Because that's a real risk in refereeing is to get told the referee what to do. They go out on Saturday, they do it, and it's not who they are. Yeah. And that's that's what probably f- was a bit of a catalyst for me in falling under the pressure of being told what I needed to do, go and do it, but not staying true to who I am. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, when you're playing, you need left foot, right foot. Right. Right. So I've been like, are you going and telling you, right, mate, you can only kick off your right left foot all day. Yeah. You go, well, okay, I'll give it a go. But you're like, it's not really me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, and they would usually come back and be pretty honest. I mean, you like, you were very, very honest yourself. Yeah. Um, in terms of, yeah, wasn't wasn't my best day. Felt mm. it did really good. This scenario could have worked on. Um, this is what I'm going to do moving forward. Yeah. Um, and we'd always get uh, my team and Super Rugby level, one of those guys get footage from the team coaches yeah. to get some clarity yeah. because obviously there's going to be players that are frustrated with decisions and they need to go into bat for their players yeah. and sometimes you go back and go yep, yeah, no, I agree got that one wrong my yeah. bad um, or they just want to get your perspective yeah. and understanding so they can understand it better um, and there's been some really good coaches we have here in New Zealand that are pretty open with that yeah. some some aren't um, but that's the tough part for Mighty 10 Cup is they're only employed for what three months Yeah, so so there's massive benefit from coaches sending in clips that you want, they want you to see? Um, it depends what they want for. Yeah. From. If yeah. they want clarity around what did we see and what was our thought process, yeah. provided the channel is open and positive, yeah. then I think it's, I think it's advantageous yeah. because the referees need to grow yeah. um, and, have a, and keep growing on their understanding of the game, but also not from the refereeing perspective, but from team understanding. Yeah. Actually knowing what a pod system is, what a one three three one is, all, all, mm. all that sort of stuff, what shape looks like, what teams are trying to do, um, is massive to get an understanding for the referee as to what teams are doing. Because you're always thinking about the next play, where's play going next? Yeah. And so if you understand what shape looks like and you can identify that there's a pod on your left hand side, yeah. Well, and the tens and behind it, well yeah. if he's not gonna hit the pod, he's either gonna go there. So I need to yeah. Be clear of that, but be ready to move, rather than just wing it. 
Shit, there's way more to it than people give it credit, eh? Definitely, mate, definitely. Um, yeah, it's not it's not just rock up with a pair of boots and a whistle and, nah. and rip into it. It's so even, like, the rulings, uh, the rulings of rugby, the rules are so complicated, so even just getting the rulings right is hard. But even hearing you talk about what position you have to be, and I don't, I've never even thought about your positioning as a refereeing being important. Just I always just thought, it, you know, you just be there and mm. you're just not in the way of the boards. Yeah. But there's actually like a real, um, I know it's quite technical, isn't it? To yeah, get ref- your positioning refereeing's right. a lot. We we talk a lot about um, pitches. Yeah. So seeing the seeing the right pitches um, because I've thought a lot about this and it and it quite fascinates me the whole. The, the, the management mental mindset of it all and influencing that sort of stuff rather yeah. than going out and I mean, there's Lyndon Bray one of the world's best referees once said that there's 5,000 infringements in a game referees only can see half of them and probably only, refere- uh, probably only going to act on half of those so if you went out there and refereed like a robot yeah well no game no mm. and that's why you know Human factor of it as well because it's a balance between um, referring to the law, yeah, but also having a bit of player, you know, game understanding and putting a bit of empathy and in, into in it, yeah. and knowing that right under law, yep, that's that. However, yeah, did it have an effect? No. Is it good for the game? No. Mm, no. Yeah. Had, you know, had no effect. Right here, he's offside. He's run in front of the ball carrier, but he's taken no one out. And then say the 15s rolled through and scored. Yeah play on yeah how much um influence of technology do you think rugby should have do you think they should have more of it less of it or what's your thoughts on that um i don't know i think that uh, we're probably pretty lucky in the last couple of years that the um they had this system in super rugby they brought it in basically i think when the lions tour was on and that the the it was super hd so what the TMO was seeing on their screen versus what we see at home was mm. completely different. Oh, really? Um, and they could have this little toggle that they could just roll the play back and forth. Oh, really? So they could see it so clearly. So they see different pictures to what they're well, they, showing. They see the same but pictures but better clarity. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, I always wish that they would use it on TV because it's always so blurred and, you know, there's someone will go and put yeah, the ball yeah, down yeah. for the force and you can't tell yeah, if it's yeah, separation because yeah, yeah. it's blurred. The frames. Look, yeah, it looks yeah. like, oh, no, that's a dry one. Yeah. It's awful to think about. So technology is helpful in that aspect yeah. because it gets that real clear picture. So in some ways it would be quite nice to be able to the public at home mm. to see that too. Yeah. Um, but I don't really know how further forward Much you further. could go with it. What about the captain's challenge that they're using in the NRL? Yeah. Are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, maybe one and one only. Yeah. Like um, like the NRL. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I haven't thought too much about that. A lot of people talk about having two refs in rugby. Yeah. But it's too difficult. No. There's too much too much laws. I don't know I don't know what it would do for credibility of referees. Yeah. And of course there's yeah, so much under the public scope wrong. as well. Yeah. So if the referee's got it wrong, which looks to be fair, it does happen and it has happened in the last few weeks where they've gone up to a team O and it's been like, Oh shit, we need to um, let's talk about let's keep it hot. So let's talk about the the, um, the Blues Highlanders game on the weekend with uh, Aaron, Smith. Aaron Smith and falling over Cole to yeah. McCarthy. Yeah. So I'm watching that and thinking he's milked that. Yeah, he is a milkman. Like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. And I think Mike Fraser quite rightly saw that and said, "Nah, play on," and went through and scored. And they scored. Mm. 
And then, of course, he's someone from outside influence has said, no, we need to check this. So they've gone and checked it. And then, of course, because you know, the crowd's going nuts, <laughs> hometown, as it would. Yeah. And then he has to go and look back and say, yeah. So under law, it's a real tough one, eh? Like, under law, Carl's offside. Yeah. And he has m- influenced. influenced. Yeah. So, but quite clearly, Aaron Smith milked it. Mm. Um, so it's sort of a, it's a tough one, eh? Real tough yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Real, real tough one. You got Matt goes back to the referring to the law versus, you know, mm. actually what what happened there. Yeah. And that can be quite a challenge. It's probably a good one, like for um, for a captain's uh, challenge. Yeah. But also, too, I think it would just be probably a bit too risky. Yeah. For both sides, you know, if the captain makes a challenge, I mean, it does happen in cricket, like I say, when they have a review and then yeah. reviews are out and then. You know, otherwise yeah, yeah. it's not, not out and it's clearly taken out. Yeah. Stump. So, I don't know. To be fair, mate, I think there's probably a few rules that could be either chucked out or yeah. fine-tuned Just first to allow... Simplify it a wee bit. Yeah, like um, like the, the touchline. You know, we saw Will Jordan the other day yeah. do his big acrobatic yeah. move. Well, it needs to be... Because it, it, a lot of it comes down to the ball and the plane of touch. Yeah, yeah. You can't... you got to be, be outside. You can jump in and catch it. But you got to land inside, you yeah, got to catch yeah, it, you yeah. can't slap it back. Yeah. It just needs to be like basketball, tie the ropes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just simplify that yeah. and a few other laws. They love making little complicated rules. Mate, honestly, keep the roof you, on their they, toes. They rewrote it a couple of years back because um, it was so negatively written. Yeah. It was all about what you couldn't do in a game of rugby yeah. rather than what you could. And I think that potentially may have driven a lot of referees down that mindset mm. because you know referees are always perceived, often perceived, I should say, to be. Officious, or um, you know, just a bloody hut, like you know, bring, 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 yeah, that's yeah. it. Whereas you look in the law book and it says there that you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Yeah. So the referees are kind of like, oh, you can't do that, bang, penalty. Rather yeah. than go, rather than look at um, a player on his ground, on the ground holding on to the ball, saying penalty holding on, yeah. looking at the guy over him saying, well done, you're in a positive position, I'll reward you for yeah. penalty. So shifting that mindset that that's actually positive play. Same thing, scrum time. I mean, there's only one referee in New Zealand who knows things about scrums at the moment. That's Kane Hayes. <laughs> so, you know, did you find that was guesswork, and it is a lot of guesswork, or um, there are some pictures that are pretty obvious? Yeah. So we we always had a lot of support from New Zealand rugby. We had Mike Cron come in a lot of times. Yeah. I linked up with Jace Ryan um, for a while. Oh, yeah. Just learned stuff off him. Um, same thing here um, locally with Dan Perrin and that, and just yeah. got some real good understanding. Um, so I mean, you're always a student of the game. Yeah. So the, if you can take a little bit of nugget, gold nugget out of any of it, I was, I was super lucky when I was in, in um, Southland. I used to go down on a Thursday. I took Tuesday off work. Yeah. I'd go down. I'd, I'd do physio. I'd, I'd catch up with my coach and I'd hang out with the Stags team. Yeah. Ref their, um, you know, the games and the GST runs. Yeah. And ref their scrums, call their scrums and stuff. And that was when they were going from the transition of all the touch, pause, bind, set, crouch, hold, oh, and yeah, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. trying to get used to the calls and stuff. Yeah. And um, I got on quite well with, with um, Big Wop. Big Whopper, what Big a lad Whopper. he is. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I got on quite well with him and asked him, like, it was quite cool. You know, got some insight into the scrums. Yeah. Put me in one at one stage. Yeah. Which was... Um, Oh, I'm pretty sure I used to be taller, eh? Like, oh, hurt. And you got Jason Rutledge, him, yeah. um, Whopper, Nick Barrett, quite a few of those big mm. boys, Southland boys. Chris King was there as well. Oh, right. So, man. yeah, so it was quite cool to learn that. Um, but I, I kind of, it's, yeah, it, it, 
it's real risky if you start guessing, yeah. as you can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was always a big fan of actually just letting the guys do what they needed to do yeah. and look at a positive scrum. So I always went into the change and said, right, how can I help you? Yeah. And they'd often be like, oh, shit, um, well, never had that question before. Yeah. But also just keep it simple and be like, right, boys, if you give me stability, I'll give you the ball. If it's stable, ball will come in. Yeah. Do whatever you want after that. But Easy. let's just get the simple stuff right because otherwise you just fuff around all day. Yeah. So I want to go back to your the abuse side of things and crossover with your mental health journey. Do you think refereeing had much of an effect on that or what? When did your mental health journey start and when did you notice um, you know, depression starting and things like that? Um, started for me back in 2000 and probably 2008 and then escalated a bit more in 2009. So you'd fin- a couple of years after school? Yep, a couple of years after school. Yeah. So left school in 2005, started my helicopter licence in 2006. Yeah. Um, had a good mate from school, got killed in a helicopter crash. James Taylor. James Taylor. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was pretty tough. Yeah. Because. Um, so were you going through? No. So we were. He was in. He was in Parapomu. Oh he yeah. Was down on the coast. But we were. Yeah. You know, we were linking up. We were chasing, chasing each other. You know, for want of a better phrase. Yeah. And that really, that really hit home because that was pretty. You know. Well, what you're doing, yeah. Yeah, and, and especially your mate like that. Yeah. You know, grow up with him at school. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of probably inadvertently put pressure on me to make sure I didn't, I did the right thing. Yeah. And, you know, did a flu for him as yeah. well as myself. And then in 2009, um, whilst I was back home on the coast, um, we had a great group of um, group of us lads used to go motorbike riding on the local riverbed. Yeah. And not and we'd get a couple of the younger fellas down and little bikes and stuff. You remember Ben O'Brien? Yeah. Yeah, so we used to live with him. So yeah. um, absolute soul of the earth man. Yeah. Um, so we went riding one day and um, these couple of lads you know, went off on a bit of an adventure and their parents were there and we just turned up and one of the mothers said, oh, can you head off down the road and see you know, Keegan and Tanaya because they've been gone for a while yeah. thinking that they'd got motorbikes stuck in yeah, the yeah, yard, yeah. which is a common occurrence. Um, so I yep, so we whipped off down this um, boulder bank halfway to warm the old bike up and before we started right around the track and come across Keegan and he's crashed, he's come off his bike and he's head down in a big pile of rocks. And I was like, fuck, yelling, yelling for him, Keegan, Keegan, yeah. where are you? And when I found him, I was like, shit, Keegan screaming at him and picked him up and he was just, yeah, you know, he's lifeless. Gee. And so I got him, got him out of the rocks, got his helmet off, his chest plate off started doing CPR yeah and um, oh, I don't know how long it was yeah. a couple of minutes yeah but seemed like forever man yeah. just seemed like the longest time, time of my yeah. life and then other people turned up you know family turned up his parents turned up um, you know other, other parents who were there turned up and sort of took over and helped out yeah the fire brigade turned up and the ambulance turned up local doctor turned up because you know all, everything had been sorted sorry had been called and um, he didn't make it and from then on, I just felt like I'd failed everyone. Yeah. I'd failed myself. I had a niece who was around about the same age, and she loved going out the bikes and stuff, so that was pretty tough. Yeah. Um, and I just, I kind of, I just started running. Yeah. You know, um, I was pretty fortunate that, like, my family was always there, but I just shut them out. Yeah. And Ben O'Brien, like I said, soul of the earth, just hung around. Yeah. Um, we'd ride our bikes home after that, 
and we just got home and he didn't he didn't say anything and I just said sorry mate I and he goes no nah, mate you don't say anything he just just sat with me which was back then yeah uh, meant a hell of a lot more than what he actually realised yeah um, but yeah I just I just shut up shop I just I I couldn't handle failing ever again. Yeah. And like I said, I ran. And I moved up here, finished off my chopper licence, and went down to the south, um, got a job down in South Lynn, progressed my way up through the ranks for the company there. And one of the other lads who was um, Greenhorn with me, he, the boss was looking to, to extend, and he got the nod ahead of me, and I'd, I'd been there longer, and... It didn't phase me at the time because I was, I was busy with rugby as well. We were starting to take off. Yeah. But I was still gutted. Yeah. Because I, you know, want to progress my career. That was what I was going to do. It was yeah. what I was going to be. And so I heaped pressure on myself and indirectly heaped pressure on him because I was like, mate, I'm just going to hold you accountable. I'm mm. proud of you. I want to support you, but don't you dare fuck this up because that's where I want to be. Yeah. So I did that, and of course I. Immediately went, nah, it's okay, it's all good, I'm fine, I'm happy. But that was me shutting it off. Yeah. Um, and then I got, I just got super lonely down there. Like I had a lot of friends, a lot of real good friends, but I just was missing something. And yeah. um, my mum got diagnosed with cancer. And when I, when dad rang me for that and told me that, I was driving home from Omaru from a game, a Heartland game. And he rang me, he didn't want to tell me. He'd mm. known, most of the boys had known for a few days but he didn't want to tell me because I had a game of footy to ref mm. um, and I just pulled over on the side of the road broke down in tears and I was just like I've got to go home I can't be down here anymore um, and so I moved back up to Nelson and at that time too I was probably pretty fortunate because my out my out was refereeing yeah. so I got back here moved into the Super Rugby ARing rank so I was doing a little bit like in, in Highlandersville mm. And so yeah, I got I got back here, settled down. Um, two of my brothers are here, James and older brother Andy. Um, and even though Mum was getting treated on the coast and stuff, it was just felt closer. Yeah. I had extended family here, grandparents and stuff here too, so that made it easier. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, sort of, but I still I just I just hit it. Just yeah. I went out of my way to make everybody else happy. Yeah. And indirectly just made myself miserable. It felt like shit. And I'd go home um, and just tell everybody I was watching footy. Yeah. I just lock myself in a room, just sit there and watch, you know, depressing YouTube clips <laughs> or scroll, you know, yeah. Facebook, getting some sort of fix that was never even yeah, there. True. Um, and then rugby started going all right. Um, I was working in town. I wanted to get my helicopter. I sort of half pie. Because rugby was going so well, it was a bit hard for me to also keep flying because when the weather was good, you had to fly. Mm. But if I was off somewhere else around the country, it's a bit hard. Yeah, and yeah. I, same thing, didn't feel like I was doing a justifiable service to my boss at the time down south, yeah. who, you know, I'd, I'd go back and work for in a heartbeat. And so it was a little bit of a, probably a bullshit way of me saying, I need to get out of here, I was saying to him, mate, I, I can't, you know, I'm more away than I am here. Yeah. You can't. I don't. I don't feel good that you're paying me to not be here. Yeah. I feel like I'm not doing enough for the team. Yeah. But that was just me bullshitting and basically saying I need to get out. Yeah. And and he was really good, super supportive. Um, and so yeah, fast forward, came back here, worked in a tax refund place, which was entertaining in its own right as well. Um, 
shacked up with a with a local lass, and everything was going pretty good. And I was on this. You know, mum was getting better, um, and I was just starting to feel better about things. This is pretty cool. Um, still hit it. Didn't never like facing it. So um, you were fine when you went out to the to someone who you'd just meet on the street or like one of your friends when you're outside the house. You're yep. fine. No one would ever notice. No. You're bubbly. Yeah. Because man, every time I met you, like you're a happy guy, like mm. so energetic. Mm. Wouldn't think anything. Uh, and then, then you're going back to your house and just yeah. like a lot of that is me. Yeah, you know, I I've always got time of the day for anyone. Yeah, and I I always will. Yeah, and I was doing that, but it was forced. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't always genuine. Yeah, but because I do it so much, I guess people just didn't um just kind of oh yeah, slashy, get out, mate. How you going? Yeah, 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 good yeah. mate. How you going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, good to see you. Yeah, how's your day going? Outstanding. You know, it didn't it just no, it wasn't. Just chat. Yeah, oh, shit. So just, you know, as as we do, as Kiwi, how you going? Oh, not bad. Yeah. No, I want to know how you are. Yeah. I don't want to know how you're not. Yeah. And, and that was me. It was just like, yeah, no, I'm all good. Life's good. Yep, sweet. No, cool. Bloody good. Carry on. Keep the chat short because didn't want to get mm. too caught up in it. Um, but, yeah, I got into the position in the refereeing ranks where I was, well, I was, I was on the rise, which was, which was cool. Yeah. Um, added more pressure. I wasn't taking it seriously enough. Um, probably for the coach's liking. Yeah. Probably, but also looking back, probably not for my liking as well. Um, and it got to a point where they were extending Super Rugby um, in terms of numbers, so they needed more referees. And New Zealand were leading the pack in terms of the refereeing numbers at the time. Um, and of course, they didn't have anybody in Japan or um, Argentina. Um, South Africa's always been pretty good. Aussie sort of bit hit and miss at times, but we've got a good core group now. And so I was kind of touted as one of those ones. And, of course, everybody else around here was like, oh, shit, yeah, Lashley's doing well. Like, I'd come, I'd do a run touch, um, and, you know, well, yeah. for a game, yeah. and then come back here and riff a prem game the next day, and mm. everyone thought it was pretty cool. And I kind of rode on that a bit, probably for all the wrong reasons, thinking, yeah, like, I'm, I'm sort of starting to kind of get a bit of a following and a bit of an image, yeah, which yeah. was always quite cool because at the same time, you know, I'm just a... Man, I'm just a coaster. Yeah. I'm just fucking having fun. Yeah. You know, life's, life's tough. you got to wear a helmet, but life's also good. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, I was probably just, man, I was fully lost mm. and just winging it. Um, and then, yeah, I'd had a few. It was funny because I got this, I got feedback after a couple of seasons where they were like, my coaches were like, well, not my coach, but the coaches, the assessors and the selectors, I should say, were like, oh, we need, we need a bit more professionalism for it. We don't think you're as professional as the other guys. And I was like, oh, fuck. Well, so when you tell me this at the start of the year? <laughs> and so, well, you know, all of a sudden, shirt's done up, ties on, you know, I'm, I'm looking more official and actually there to do a proper job and, yeah. and look the part. And I started getting into, like, a, a regime of being, no, no, I've, I've got to be professional, I've got to be strict on this, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. Yeah. And it took me even further away from who I was. Yeah. And then into the next season, ah, now nah, we need to see more Lashy. Oh, come on, man. Okay, right, oh, no, no, so, you know, I relaxed a bit more. <laughs> and then at the end of the next season, it was like, oh, we just don't think you know who you are just yet. Yeah. And at the same time, they're like, these three guys are heading off to Super Rugby and professional contracts. And unfortunately, you haven't made the cut to that or ar in Super Rugby. So I worked demoted. Yeah. And so it was just like, what? Yeah. So like you've told me to be professional. You've told me to chill out. Then you're telling me you don't know what I'm up to. Like, 
what do you do? Yeah. And it was a massive blow, massive blow, because we were getting, there was a massive smack to the income, like that, mm. gone. Probably a little bit, like today for a lot of people, just gone. Yeah. And I still had income, but that didn't last too long, the tax base, that yeah. disappeared. Yeah. And then at the same time, tough times at home, and ended up being single again. Yeah. Which was, which was tough, because I kind of thought that was a good thing. Yeah. And so I, I, made, I shut the curtains. Full on shut the curtains. Living in, I didn't tell my family that um, most of all of that for a good couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. And living in my little brother's house, I was renting it off him. So I was paying the whole rent. Um, and yeah, just shut up shop. I basically went to, was work, I still had the job, but it was coming off. Um, and so work, home, work, home. Yeah. And then I just, yeah, I was like, fuck. And then my brother and sister in law, Turned up and they asked, oh, you know, where's girlfriend at the time? I was like, oh, she's gone. Yeah. And, like, and I was, my niece and nephew was there, and I was like, I can't cry in front of these guys. Yeah. These are, these are like, they're my kids. So I can't cry in front of them. And so I was just sort of like, yeah, you know, it is, it's real tough, but never mind. You know, looking yeah. in every other direction. Yeah. And then they left, and then I was just like, this is just not fun. And I went home to the coast and I went down, mum and dad were white baiting, and like I said to you before, fishing's my release, getting out into the nature is my release. Mm. And I went down there, and it felt so good to do it, because I just lost it, Yeah. and I just stood in the river. And it just felt like the the current just washed everything away. Yeah. And I made up, I told mum and dad, I still, you know, I still wasn't, it wasn't like a eureka moment that, cool, I'm sorted, life goes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told mum and dad that I was heading back out to their house to go and catch up with some mates for the night. And I went back to their place. And I got on to um, uh, depression.org.nz yeah. and did the quiz on that. And that really hit home. Because that, to me, was like, yeah. Everything that I'd been avoiding was just staring straight in front of me. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I've got to sort this out. Yeah. This is just... It's not, not gonna be me. I just wanted to run away. I yeah. just wanted to get on a plane and bugger off to another country and start afresh where no one knew me. Yeah. I could just be me, not worry about the pressure, forget about everything. And I came back home here and I told my older brother and that was pretty, that was like a massive weight because not only did I open up to him, I actually just opened up to myself. Mm. And I think that's a really important thing is once you can open up to you if someone you know someone who is struggling and battling with it is the only person you can really be honest with is yourself once you can accept it then everybody else will yeah um and so i did that and that was a big turning point i started going back to the gym uh, i was training every day and went, went to see a counselor started talking about stuff and i just just sort of worked on a few things to just change my perspective mm. on it and I just said yes to everything to get myself out of the house. I was like, I need to break this habit. Because mm. I was starting to grab the bottle and just go home after work and have a couple of beers. And yeah. Not that, you know, nothing wrong with a couple of beers, but I was just having a couple of beers for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And so I just started saying yes. So if someone said, oh, you want to catch up? Yep, yep. Want to go for a run? Yep, yep. Want to go fishing? Yep, sweet, let's go. And yes, I just, man. Yes, man. Yeah, totally. And just got myself out of it. And like... The friends that did that, like, they reached out, but they didn't know they were reaching out. Mm. 
And I think that's another powerful thing is just is checking in on your mates. Yeah. Is you don't actually know how much it is by just saying, you know, texting the old word brew. Yep. How much that's actually yeah needed until after you, you know, give them shit and leave. So yeah. if you sent something from someone and you message that and they they're never keen, what would your advice be for that? Um. I think. I think even even just sort of if you know that your mates, you know, like I'm 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 worried about like he's he's just making an excuse for everything. Mm. It's actually probably just rock up home and be like, mate, I'm a little bit worried about you. S- sit down with him. Sit down. Chat. You know what's going on. And I've got mates that still do that. You know, we're we're always still we're always under pressure. We're always trying to do stuff. Yeah. And I've got mates that still keep me accountable. Yeah. And and I I hope like hell they always do. Because you need mates like that, yeah. And and, and, and I can be like, no, nah, mate, I'm I'm real good. I'm on top of it, and yeah. it's good. And like, cool, just checking in. And like, I know that I can tell them if I'm not. And that's probably a big thing too. Yeah. And like I said before, is Kiwis just keep this big bravado of, nah, all good, all good. But you know your mates well enough to know, yeah, when they're good and when they're not. It's powerful stuff. That's a really powerful journey you've had. And it sort of led you to this real effect where yeah. you're sort of um, inspired to help others, I guess. Mm, definitely, mate. That, yeah, I'm just, I just want to help all of them. Yeah. All the boys, all the blokes. You know, um, it may seem unachievable, but, you know, I've got to aim for the stars for this one. Exactly. I just can't. I, 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 it's something I need to do. It's something yeah. I have to do because, you know, we need it, I mean. You know, yeah. I mean, a good man. And it's not taking away anything away from our wahine, the, the powerful, beautiful, beautiful woman that we have in this country. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're, they're a lot more open. Yeah. You know, they'll talk about their problems and their stresses and their issues, whereas men don't. Mm. You know, you come home from a stressful day, you leave it at the door because you don't want to bring it inside. Yeah. And whereas, you know, a woman can be open about the challenges they're facing to their friends. Yeah. Um, you know, to their partners and stuff, and quite often men, and I've done it, where you heap that burden yourself, and so that's why it's that's why we need to help our our men. Yeah. And you know, you know what it's like, and and we're always in a high performance environment. Yeah. Regardless of whether you're playing sport or you're working in the building industry, the farming, agriculture industry, whatever, mm. we're always in this high performance environment, and we need to make sure that our men are, are on track. Because who else is going to? Mm. How good. So where do you see the real effect in 10 years? What's the dream? What's the aspirations? How, how can we get it there? What can Water Lad do to <laughs> help out? Um, mate, if I, if I could, um, I'd work for it full time. Yeah. And I just want, like I say, I just want to help everyone. I just want to help all, all the guys that need it. Um, 10 years' time, I'd love to have done... 50 missions yeah um and change the lives of the men on those missions mm. for the better um and make a difference my i mean it may seem corny but my my goal in life is just to leave this place better than what it was when i came into it mm. so um if i can make a difference there then hopefully you know those that I've made that difference for can then, you know, make a difference for others. And I think it's been pretty cool, um, sort of sharing my story a few times. Um, 
and getting different people each time you know connect mm. and be like mate I'm, I'm struggling I really appreciate you opening up and I, I get I mean I get blown away and I nearly get teary eyed when someone does that because mm. I've been where they are and some days I'm you know still there but it's a hugely powerful thing for them to do that and I feel extremely honoured when they you know look at me and say I'm, I'm you know can we catch up yeah fuck yes 100% when now let's go and that's where the yes man comes in yeah but you know hopefully I mean I'm not a I'm not a psychologist I'm not a I'm not a professional yeah I'm just just a young fella from water trying to make a difference and doing a bloody good job <laughs> Try my hardest, mate. Mate, really appreciate you sharing your story with such honesty. Um, if there's one person who's struggling out there who this has an effect on, well, then shit, it's, it's, it's going to mm. be awesome. And um, I'm wishing all the best for the real effect. If there's anything that I can do to help that, I'm more than happy to, to do it if you need a jersey or whatever it is. Mm. that. Um, if you are listening, it is the real effect, R-E-E-L. Um, check it out on Facebook. Instagram. Instagram. We've got a website. Got a website as well. So go check it out. Give it a follow. Um, and if you do feel like you'd be ben- it'd be beneficial going on one of the trips, um, get in touch with Lashy and he'll sort something out. Yeah, and, mate. Yep. Um, it's, all, it's all covered. It's all sorted. Gear and everything. So just turn up with some, you know, what's a, with some clothes and, and they want to get away and rip into it. So no, thanks for having me, Jim. Hey, good. appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Amen. With the recent partnership with Fortune Favours, the Waterlab podcast has an offer for all our listeners. Go to the Fortune Favours website, buy whatever you want off the website, beers, merch, vouchers, type in Waterlad with no spaces to receive the special discount, 15% off anything you want delivered to your home. Such a good brew, such a good discount.